Well, welcome to Genesis. How are you guys feeling? Awesome. Hey, well, welcome to Genesis. We are uh, so glad you guys are here tonight. My name is Mike, and I'm the pastor here. And, uh, and at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And I uh, also hope that you came with an open heart because you've been prayed and prepared for. And uh, I was actually just thinking before we, before we got started tonight, isn't it funny how the best things in life start with a C-H, like Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, Christmas, Christ, okay, uh, Jesus Juke on that one. Um, well, we're glad you guys are here tonight. Were you guys happy with the Super Bowl? So many mixed feelings. So Patriots fans, are you, anybody a Patriots fan? Wow, okay. So you guys were happy, I'm sure. Any Rams fans? Yeah, that's what I thought. I, that's usually a long shot. Okay. Um, well, tonight we are beginning a series called I Love You to Death. Uh, I was actually, speaking of the Super Bowl, there was one commercial that I really liked uh, for Google, and it was for, they were talking about Google Translate, and they said that the most translated words, uh, most translated phrases are, how are you, thank you, and I love you, and I thought, wow, that's like, there's a message in there somewhere, maybe we could talk about that another time, uh, but so to begin tonight, I wanted to, to tell you a story about the first time that I told my wife that I loved her, so we uh <laughs> We had been dating for a couple of months, and okay. Well, first of all, first of all, let me preface with this. Jacob, can you come here? For, can you come here for a second? Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, Jacob, Jacob Malley, everybody. Okay, so first of all, guys, no, hold on. So you know, guys, like when you have like your bros, right? Like you'll say something like this. Like you'll you'll dap up your bro, and you're like, "Hey, love you, man. I'll see you later." Okay. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you do stuff like that. Okay. So you can sit down. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. So. <laughs> my wife and I had been dating for about two months, and we were at Coldstone, and we were, we were about to leave, and so we were about to, she was about to go home, and I was about to go home, and she got in her car, and I'm like leaning by the, the car door, <laughs> and I'm saying goodbye, and I say, hey, okay, I'll see you later, love you, bye, and she looked at me, and I was like, uh, not like that, I'll let you know when, and then I just... <laughs> I took off, and so I, I ended up telling her uh, for real, you know, a little bit later. But I think, <laughs> I think in culture today, um, it's possible that God is saying the same thing about the way that we love. Uh, that you know, we say that we love people, and and I feel like God is at times saying, oh, "That's not what I meant. That's not what I intended." And so I know that it's February, and, and Valentine's Day is around the corner, and, and oftentimes February means that there's going to be a, a love series at church, and so I, I wanted to do a, a series uh, that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek uh, that, you know, I thought, okay, yeah, we'll do a love series, but we'll talk about love as, as it's seen in the Bible um, and not a series where you get to hear me give you relationship advice all month, okay? So you're welcome for that. Uh, we actually have our, our Genesis Continued podcast for that uh, that you can check out. The first episode comes out on Valentine's Day where we do talk about dating and relationships. And so be on the lookout for that. But I believe that biblical love needs to be revisited. And that's exactly what we're gonna do this month. 
uh, a writer named Ernest Becker hit the nail on the head with what he said about love in today's world. He said that when we try to fill our soul's deepest longing for God with something else, that something else is usually a person of the opposite sex. And so this is, this is what he said. He says, what, what the person needed in their innermost culture, they now looked for in the love partner. The love partner becomes the divine ideal within which to fulfill one's life. All spiritual and moral needs now become focused in one individual. In other words, we tend to replace our love for God with love for a person, and it has become almost spiritual in the way that we do it. And if you don't believe that, turn on your radio sometimes and listen to the music that you hear. For example, Sam Smith, stay with me because you're all I need. John Legend, I give my all to you. You're my end and my beginning. Those sound like worship songs. Ariana Grande was very straightforward. You'll believe God is a woman. Now you may be thinking, well, this is why I listen to country music. Real music, right? Kane Brown, I don't know how heaven could be better than this. Florida Georgia Line, you're holy, holy, holy. Now I find this one interesting because in Revelation it says that's exactly what the angels sing around the throne of God for eternity. And so I wonder that it's kind of strange that Florida Georgia Line would sing that to some woman. Uh, but I could go on a rant there. I'll refrain from doing so. And don't misunderstand me, though. I'm not hating on music. I love music. I listen to all kinds of music. But I'm just trying to make the point here that love is in dire need of being revisited and redefined. Well, interestingly enough, love in Scripture is closely related to death. Those are not two things that you would normally match together. You know, one seems happy. The other seems sad. One seems enjoyable, the other seems grim, but for some reason, God often binds the two together. Some examples from, for you from Scripture. There's no greater love than he who lays down his life for his friends. I've fought the good fight and finished the race. Take up your cross and follow me. And then, of course, the ultimate example of this, of, of loving someone to death, which is found in Jesus. And so we need to look to Scripture to help us redefine love and what that looks like to us personally, what that looks like with our relationship with God, and then also what that looks like for our relationship with others. Because we often confuse a lifestyle of love with the feeling of love. The feeling of love is exciting and, and elevating and fun, but at the same time, it's temporary. The lifestyle of love, C.S. Lewis calls this a quieter love. A lifestyle of love, of, of love is often overlooked. It's not showy. It's what Instagram never sees. The feeling of love for God may have inspired you to make a commitment to him, but it's, the, but it's this lifestyle of love that inspires you to maintain that commitment. So a lifestyle of love at its very essence is selflessness, which allows us to love God and love people the way that he intended us to do. And so throughout this month, we're going to see what it looks like to have a lifestyle of selfless love a love that moves us to die to ourselves. And so we're gonna start with what that looks like for you individually. So if you would, pray with me, and then we'll jump in. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity that it is to, to gather together, God, as a body of believers. And God, tonight we are united under one purpose, and that is to see you glorified. So God, I pray tonight that your voice would speak louder than my own, and that your kingdom would come, and your will would be done in Genesis as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. So if you would, go ahead and turn to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. 
And uh, I'll give you some context while you're doing that. And we're actually going to start in verse 23. So Matthew 16, 23. Uh, so at this point in the life of Jesus, uh, he is telling his disciples how he was going to be killed and then crucified. And uh, he, actually, he actually foretells this uh, a handful of times before they happen, uh, foretells these events a few times before they happen. And, and this particular time, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he gets highly upset that Jesus is saying these things. He doesn't like the idea of Jesus being killed. And so he, te- he, he replies back to Jesus and he says, no, Jesus, like you don't understand. There's not a chance that's going to happen. That's not going to happen to you. And what we see in, in that reply is what Peter thinks is best, colliding with what Jesus knows is best. And Jesus replies and, said, and says this. This is Matthew 16, 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. He said, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And right there, we see our tension for the night. Right there, we see the, our biggest issue as humans trying to live for God. We set our minds on the things of man, the, the flesh, the desires, the, the dreams, the attributes, the character traits, the, the things of man, and we do not set our minds on the things of God. And so right there, Jesus has pinned exactly why it is so hard for us to, lo- to love God and love others the way that he has commanded us to do. He's painted the problem and he's pulled out the rug from underneath us. In other words, he tells Peter, hey, Peter, you're acting like Peter, and I don't need you to be acting like Peter. Like, hey, your depravity is showing. Your limited understanding is showing. Your limited knowledge is showing. And I feel like Jesus could say the same thing to us sometimes. There's so many moments where I do things or I say things, and it's like, yeah, that was me setting my mind on the things of man, the things of Mike, and not on the things of God. A great example of this was, uh, was last week around uh, Tuesday afternoon. It was raining, and I was, like, just complaining about the rain. And I was frustrated because, you know, when it rains, you know, we were trying to have service that night. And, and most people, or a lot of people don't like coming out of their house when it rains. And so, so I was just like, oh, you know, we're trying to have Genesis tonight, and it's raining. And I wonder if people are going to come. And, you know, because I always, you know, I want you guys to be here. And I was complaining about the rain. Well, after service, there was two new guys that came, and I met them after service, and I was talking to them, and they said, they said, yeah, we've actually been trying for a month to get here. We're in, the, we're in the Navy, so our schedule's crazy, and you know what they said? They said, the rain canceled PT today, and so we were able to come tonight, and so it was like, okay, God, thank you. He's saying like, hey, Mike, your depravity is showing. Your limited knowledge and your limited understanding is showing. Thankfully, Jesus never identifies a problem without also identifying a solution. And so let's read and see what he says in the next two verses, 24 and 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jesus says, okay, if you want to follow me, if you want to truly love me, you're gonna need to pick up your cross. And obviously we know what a a cross is, right? A cross is a 
uh, as a symbol for a, a Christian of, of, of freedom and forgiveness and redemption and new life. And for good reason, Jesus' work on the cross did all of that for us, accomplished all of that for us. But at the time that Jesus said this, a cross was not seen in this way. Jesus had yet to die on a cross, but the disciples still knew what a cross was used for, that it was used for execution. And so to the disciples, you know, if they, if they saw people nowadays wearing cross necklaces, that would be like us seeing electric chair necklaces or euthanasia needles around our neck, okay? This was an instrument of torture. And so when Jesus said this, he's saying, pick up something that's going to kill you and follow me. And so he's telling them, die to yourself. Die to your desires. Die to your dreams, those, those, those attributes, those character traits. Die to those and follow me. And so what does this do? This, this statement from Jesus would begin this concept that you see throughout Scripture. And, and it introduces this tension of flesh versus spirit. The things of man versus the things of God. And so what I want to do tonight is lay out for us what this looks like. And so you've probably been staring at this all night. So here are some characteristics of the flesh. I'm going to read them to you. Prideful, lustful, greedy, envious, apathetic, dishonest, a gossiper, impatient, judgmental, lazy, Anxious, worrying, bitter, cruel, abrasive, selfish, hateful, uncaring, gluttonous, and entitled. Tonight, I want you to know that saved or unsaved, male or female, black or white, rich or poor, this all but cracks the surface of our depravity as humankind. This describes us. This describes the flesh. This describes the things of man. I heard a pastor say last week that when it comes to sinfulness, when it comes to imperfection and unrighteousness, there is no us in them. It is we. This is us. This is all of us. And so right now, I want to ask you, I want to, ask you to do something. Because if you, if you deal with something on this board, if you have ever found yourself, I'm not asking you specifically what, but if you've ever found yourself somewhere here, just raise your hand. Look around. Every single hand in here is raised. Every single hand. All of us struggle to prioritize the things of God over the things of man. And so when Jesus tells us to pick up your cross and follow me, he's not asking for perfection. He's asking us to let all of this go to die to the ways of the flesh and let his ways be what defines us. To say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life. Not my kingdom, not my will. Paul says in Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so if we claim Christianity, we wanna say we love Jesus, but at the end of the day, we're not willing to lay down our lives. If we're not willing to submit to his ways, if we're not willing to question or we're not willing to, to take up our cross, I have to question our love for God. I have to question it if we say we love him and then still do whatever we wanna do, act however we wanna act, and say whatever we wanna say. I'm telling you tonight, you can't live with one foot in Christ and then another foot in the world. You can't live with one foot in the, in the things of God and another foot in the things of man. Are we saved through faith? Absolutely. 
Can we lose our salvation? No. But are we going to mess up? Absolutely, yes. And there's sufficient grace for that. But when we say we love Jesus and our lives look no different because of it, what kind of love is it? It's not the love that he commands. It's not the biblical kind of love. It's probably just a feeling of love and not a lifestyle of love. It's a love that's probably convenient, that's great when it's easy and convenient, but not a love that changes us. And so I think, it, I think it's time in our lives to, to maybe start crossing some of these out and start replacing them with the things of God. Maybe instead of being prideful, we're going to be humble. Anybody could use any humility? Instead of being lustful, we're going to be pure. How about some purity? Greedy? We're going to be content. Envious? We're going to be supportive. Instead of being apathetic, maybe we can be passionate. We're going to go through all these. Instead of being dishonest, we're going to be honest. Instead of being gossipers, we're going to be encouragers. Instead of being impatient, we're going to be patient. Instead of being judgmental, that's a, that's a popular one. We're going to be loving. Instead of being lazy, we're going to be motivated. Instead of being anxious, another common one, peaceful. Instead of, being, instead of worrying, we're going to be restful. Instead of being bitter, we're going to be joyful. Instead of being cruel, we're going to be kind. Instead of being abrasive, we're going to be gentle. Instead of being selfish, that's another big one, be selfless. Instead of being hateful, you see a lot of that, in the world, right? I would be caring. Instead of being uncaring, continue to be caring. Instead of being gluttonous, be self-controlled. And here's another big one. Instead of being entitled, be grateful. This is what it looks like to pick up your cross. This is what it looks like to die to yourself, to no longer be defined by the things of man, but to be defined by the things of God. If you would, go ahead and stand with me. The band can go ahead and start making their way up. If you identify with any of the things on this board tonight, I would encourage you to start praying for it to be replaced with the characteristic of God, with the thing of God, the the things of man. If you start praying for them to be replaced with the things of God. If you find yourself anxious, start praying for peace. If you find yourself being abrasive, start praying for gentleness. If you find yourself being prideful, start praying for humility. When you start praying for those things through the Holy Spirit, he will eradicate these things from your life. You can make the decision to daily die to yourself, to take up your cross and love Jesus the way that he intended you to. So tonight, whatever that is for you, maybe it's not on this board, but whatever it may be, start praying for God to, Take away the thing of man 
and replace it with part of him. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you that, that no matter how many times we stumble and no matter how many times we, we, we fall and, and make mistakes, God, your grace catches us and is sufficient for us. But God, we want to love you with a love that does not leave us the same. God, because I feel like if we, if we claim Christianity, if we claim to love you, God, our lives should look different because of it. And so, so often we can say we love you, God, but our, our lives don't show it. And so, God, just as you commanded your disciples, God, and you're commanding us tonight to take up our cross, to die to ourselves, the desires, the dreams, the characteristics, the attributes, to stop focusing on the things of man, start living for the things of God. So I love you. We love you. We pray tonight that your Holy Spirit will start eradicating these things from our lives so that we could better love you and better love the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.